Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Welcome to Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network with more than 4 million listeners. I'm your host, suspense author Danielle Girard, and my guest today is Katrine Engberg. A former dancer and choreographer with a background in television and theater, Katrine launched a groundbreaking career as a novelist with the publication of her fiction debut, The Tenant. She's now one of the most widely read and beloved crime authors in Denmark, and her work has been sold in over 25 countries. She lives with her family in Copenhagen. Welcome, Katrine. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so fun. And as I was already blubbering to Katrine before we started recording, I'm such a fan of the series. And as you can see, I've made all sorts of little marks on all my favorite spots in this book. So before I dig into all the things I love, please, um, Katrine, tell our readers about The Sanctuary. Yeah, uh, well, The Sanctuary is the fourth and for now last uh, volume in uh, the series that is, I think, mostly known as the Copenhagen series or the Kronavarna series. Um, and it's a uh, it's uh, a book series that is uh, based in my hometown Copenhagen, where I'm right now, and it features uh, two detectives, Annette Werner, would be her name in Danish, Annette Werner, <laughs> and Jeppe Körner or Jeppe Körner, um, and in this um, uh, the sanctuary, this this volume uh, in the series, I wanted to um explore a theme uh that has always you know been part of my life uh which is the theme of loneliness and isolation and uh, it just so happened that i i finished writing this book as the pandemic hit and the whole world was suddenly subjected to a whole new kind of isolation and loneliness so the theme was kind of you know it was very present and, and relevant to me so in this book i'll make it brief i'm sorry i'm a, a very long no <laughs> we have all day for you you tell us everything you want to tell us i'm so excited um, but in this book uh, uh my male detective jeppe has uh, he has a broken heart and he actually uh, takes a leave of absence from the police and goes to an island in denmark called bonholm which is a uh, kind of a holiday paradise, especially for Copenhageners. But in the wintertime, it's very isolated and has all kinds of, you know, social economic problems. So he goes there for the winter to work and, you know, just escape his heartbreak. Meanwhile, his uh, partner, Annette, who is also a detective, um, has a, a, or gets a case in Copenhagen uh, where a suitcase, an old traveler travel suitcase, is found in a park um, with half a dead body in it, um, a male body, but you know, cut in half through the middle. Horrible, horrible. I know. I'm so sorry. Um, I love it. I love how yeah. dark you are. You're just. It's, it's very so, sick. We're like, I know. Very half twisted. Half a body. I very know. Twisted. Horrible. <laughs> um, I had some really, really wild conversations with. Uh, pathologist that I consult yeah. about this um, 
murder method. But um, anyway, so she, uh, because her partner is away for the winter, she has this case alone and tries to solve it. And it turns out that the suitcase that the body was found in was actually purchased on this island where Yeppe is doing his leave of absence. And so they kind of meet up again on the island and, well, everything, all these uh, jigsaw puzzle pieces uh, turn out to, you know, to to form a, a one uh, picture. Is that, is that, could you say yes, that? Yeah, they, yeah, then, they, like, right, they fit one, together. It, yeah. And on top of it, Esther is there too which mm -hmm. I love. So, I mean, in the series, it's you have these two detectives and they are the main characters, but Esther and Gregors, Gregors, who was, you know, in the tenant, he, right? Yeah. And um, and Esther, who is also in that same building, became very good friends. And anyway, I, you know, I, without spoiling anything, yeah. Esther is also on the island. Um, yes. So I love how you do that because it's so, if, you know, there's, you know, it's you've you've created an environment where they're all back together in this way that feels very seamless and authentic. And I love, and you said like each of them is lonely. And so let's talk about that because I love that yeah. that's the theme, which as you said, is so resonant. Um, even as we come out of the pandemic years later, there's still sort of this, the, the loneliness sort of has trailed on after us as it was such a, different way of life and we're all sort of I think still in in some sort of post-traumatic stress from I the agree. loneliness yeah yeah I don't know when we get over it but um but you know Esther is 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 lonely and and then you also there's a there's a backstory here um this you know a mother who has taken her two children to this island you know and, we're, and Esther is doing a biography of this woman and reading those letters and there's mm. so much loneliness in the letters too I mean I this know. is a right but it's beautiful I mean I this is I think it's wonderful I think that's one of the things Katrina I think you do so beautifully this is crime fiction but it's also very beautifully created literary fiction so you just bridge that gap so fabulously I just oh, thank you oh. so much Oh, that means I, the world to me. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And I tag, I tag these things, you know, I'm the one. And as I said, before we talked too, that this is, you know, it's, it's killer women. And so I love to sort of dig out the things about um, the aspects of being a woman that are so hard. And, and one of the things that, that, the the Marguerite, is that how you pronounce her name? Marguerite? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> my, you know, my pronunciation. Yeah. Um, she, you know, talked about how, she's this independent woman on this island where of course everybody wants to marry her off immediately. Um, mm. They can't accept, you know, they can't accept the idea that that she just doesn't need a, a man, right? That she mm. doesn't, um, and she talks about, you know, the struggles of being a mom, which I also think is a wonderful thing. And there's this place where I'm skipping ahead and I'm not, this is not a, by any means a spoiler, but she gets to this point where she writes to her sister, a lot of the letters are written to her sister. And she says, imagine having, having reached a place in my life where my greatest joy is a peaceful evening with my big kids. How matronly. 10 years ago, I would have laughed scornfully at that prediction. I would have added goals like dissertation and research funding to my ambitions for a good life. And it does have value to the extent that my work is my identity but I must have changed. Time has smoothed those sharp elbows thumb. Today, happiness is being with my children. And it's so beautiful. Um, and you have children, you must have children. Yes, yes. And my son is, I have a son and he's uh, 13. 
And I'm at that point where he is slowly or kind of rapidly actually, you know, turning away from his parents and facing the world and which he should. And, and it's just as, as it should be. But on the rare occasion where he actually wants to spend time with us, yeah. it's the biggest happiness. You know, it's such a bliss. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty much describing my own situation. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I, I know my kids are 21 and 23 mm. and I feel it too. It's so amazing when, um, when they return and they have their own, their own minds and you're not worried about all the little things. And then we contrast that with Annette who has, now is it Gudrun, her daughter? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Again. And we have these in in Scandinavia. We have these soft D's that are okay. uh, impossible for everyone but us. So Gudrun is fine. We would say Gudrun, but it's I know it's horrible. Gudrun, it's it's, it's not horrible. It's, it's beautiful, <laughs> but it's it's impossible. So you know, know, and and because she's because Annette is working this case, her husband has taken Sven. Sven, yes, has yes. taken the, their daughter um, away, and she has this. Again, this thing that hits me as so totally universal to mothers and so right on where she's sort of mothering, you know, from afar. from afar and, you know, <laughs> the daughter's got a little fever and she's like wanting to tell her husband exactly what he, he should do in terms of medication. It's just, again, and the, and the contrast between the two, right? The, the little, the sort of, yeah, how much it takes to raise a young child and to be, um, so involved anyway I wanted so I want to hear about you know your own experiences and how sort of because Annette the, the the daughter is new in was it book two that she was yeah the uh, butterfly house yeah yeah so yeah, yeah you introduced and it's a it's a complication for a detective yeah and also Annette is one of those women who actually never saw herself becoming a parent and uh, um, being pregnant at 44 was a surprise and not a, 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 you know, not an entirely welcome one. So for her to have a child is just, she experiences all the different uh, uh, emotions that are connected to becoming a mother at, you know, kind of against her ambition. Uh, so there's this um, instant love and connection, but there's also, um, yeah, it changes her life. Her whole identity is is kind of challenged by by this new uh, identity. And that's, I mean, I was I was a bit younger when I had my son, but I um, I still had uh, an experience of a huge identity loss, and no one really talks about that because. You know, we are all we're all we all talk about the love and the the sense of fulfillment, which is also there, which is also true. But but a lot of having a child is also uh, losing yourself the way yeah. you to know yourself and the you know to perceive yourself. So uh, she finds that a challenge because at forty four, uh, as a career woman, she's very accomplished. She has a good life that she really appreciates. So this whole struggle, I tried to build into her. And I mean, to me, it's it's a matter of uh, uh, crime fiction uh, should be as engaging and interesting and thought provoking as all other types of literature. So I, I when when I read crime fiction, I want to be 
entertained and thrilled and on the edge of my seat but i also want to be you know i want to be moved and 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 yeah have new thoughts so i i try to build the um, complex characters and especially and i'm so happy that you focus on that too especially interesting complex uh, female characters i was actually just um the other day i was watching breaking bad with my son yeah which is a wonderful series i'm i'm you know it's it's great um but the the women in the series are i mean all the the female characters are just uh, one dimensional mm. and annoying and and it, my son was kind of commenting on it and i thought yeah uh, and if I look back on the on the um, especially the, the films and series that I grew up with, women were hot or uh, mothers or annoying, and they were all super one dimensional. These characters, right? And it hasn't changed that much, at least mm -hmm. not in crime fiction and in in action uh, in the action and thriller genre. Mm -hmm. So. Um, yeah, so we have work to do. <laughs> so I feel like a huge responsibility to 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 build these interesting female characters and male characters as well. But and, well, and we'll talk yeah. about um, yeah, Jeppa in a minute because he's also mm -hmm. incredible. And Orla, I mean, there's a bunch of incredible men in this story too. But um, yeah. but I wanted I want to focus on that because I think what you know what you're referring to with Annette's you know, transformation, especially at 44, as you said, because what, mm. you know, what she is as a detective is incredibly competent, right? She has yeah. huge, she has huge um, confidence and success. And, she, you know, she doesn't really doubt herself as an investigator. Of course, mm. you know, it's a, it, it's being investigators always sort of looking at things in a different light. And if that doesn't work, then shifting gears and trying something different. But but what she experiences, and there's even a quote in here, which of course I've tabbed, about the anxiety that she feels about being about the mother part of her. And that is so interesting because we take women, you know, I'm sure like you, like me, who are very confident and confident in all of these things. And then all of a sudden you give us a child. And, and at least for me, it's stripped away all this confidence that I could, sure, I could do any, I mean, I, you give me a task, I can figure it out. But you give me a child, and I'm like, Oh, I'm gonna mess this up. You know, it is know. so different. Yeah. Well, and and I don't feel like the men feel that the same way. And I'm not sure mm -hmm. if it's because we carry them, um, or because we're you know, but that's not true because you know, Marguerite, her kids are adopted and mm. she still feels it, right? There's the sense that the onus is on us. I'm not sure. I I mean in a way, I, I feel that it's a very natural anxiety. And I kind of I kind of don't understand how anyone would not feel that way. Right. Well, male or female when becoming a parent, because it is the single most uh um how do you say um uh challenging experience in life that you you are suddenly responsible for this person and and every day you have, uh, uh, you know, 24 hours to mess it up. And there are so many ways to mess it up. And and all those, I mean, to me at least, I had all these vague uh, ideas about parenthood, 
uh, and how, you know, how I would be able to shape my child, uh, blah, 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 like everyone else, you know, stupid. And then you give birth to this baby and you realize it's a real person, only smaller. So, you know, he came with his own personality and I had to adapt. I had to, you know, understand and give him not what I wanted to give as a person and as a parent, but what he needed, which was right. something completely different. So right. it's just... And I, and I feel like it's an ongoing, uh, yeah, piece of work that is the most beautiful, but also the most challenging thing uh, in life. And how could you not be anxious about that? I mean, right? you know, yeah. So, and I, and I just, I, I feel, um, I feel it is uh, completely underrated uh, by society, how important this work is is and how difficult uh yeah because it's just supposed to be natural and all you know of, of course it's natural i mean it's just biology but it's also daunting um yes. and i just i i feel the need to to you know e express this more openly and talk about it so i and i so i, I, I will I so yeah. appreciate it and i do think of course it's biological and the parts of it that are biology um, you know, are super, are super, you know, they, they, they happen, but then there's this interesting thing that happens, I think too, is that because, you know, we're, we feel, as you said, so fiercely about the importance of how we, you know, uh, how this child, you know, the safety of the child, physical safety, emotional safety, you know, their, their education, their openness to, to the world and protection from the world. I mean, that every mm. there's so many different opinions about exactly how it has to be done and so mm. you get these situations where i think and and it's like with you know the judgment that marguerite feels you know for wanting to pursue a career we put these these dictations on women about how they ha you know how it's supposed to be done and then if they're not doing it that way then the ridicule and the sort of persecution it's almost like the you know it's a witch trial uh, and you and remember, I don't know if you if you it hit in Denmark, but the there's a famous episode of Oprah where the the, the stay at home mothers face the working mothers, and it's a bloodbath about the way that they you know because of course the working mothers are like it's important to show our children that you can have a career, and the the stay at home mothers are like no, our job is to be you know available for children, and there's no sort of like well it's hard on both sides. Everybody mm -hmm. is like. You know, there's only one way to do it and it's my way. And, and, and then we're so mean women are, can be so cruel to one another about it. Yeah. But it's, it's, uh, I mean, I don't want to go into a whole patriarchy discussion, but, but, but it's, it's also, I mean, we've also been socialized um, into being hard on each other. Yeah. And uh, uh, I mean, parenthood, is uh, um, in many ways a natural thing, but motherhood is a cultivated, um, in many ways, a cultivated situation or circumstance. So all these expectations are not uh, in our DNA. Mm -hmm. uh, many of them are cultured, um, you know, by society through thousands of years of patriarchy. So, so yeah. we do need to challenge them. And I'm not saying I really, I would never uh, tell anyone to, to do this or that, or that right. this would be more right than that. 
but uh, but I do I um yeah I do feel like it's a, a a situation that needs more nuances and that we need to talk more honestly about. Uh, yeah. Also that like also the, the 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 mothers who choose to stay at home and devote their full time to, but also you know if if we can all be more um um open about the challenges of being yeah. a parent that would yeah you know, i think it would suit the whole discussion uh, immensely exactly we just need to have more compassion there are there are women who would whose children would be served better by the woman having an outside life and getting fulfillment my children for instance are better served that i had something else some of the time and that they yeah. had you know other caretakers so that i could pursue this passion of mine and you know and yet there are mothers i know and love who whose entire passion was to be there for their kids and they're amazing moms too so i think you're right we just need yeah. to have a, make a little more room for each other at any rate i got very into that because it was just you know you do such a beautiful job and i do think as you said it's a discussion that doesn't get enough air and doesn't get enough um you know understanding about how sort of difficult and anxiety producing the the mm. processes and not like you said not just for women i think dads feel that too you know and yeah. their roles you know as are changing and it's 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 difficult for them too there is just something about that as you said the sort of cultural uh, pressure on the mother that yeah. has been sort of you know created over time um so okay but let's talk about yepa yeah. cuz also yeah. he um is you know jepa I want to, I'm trying, I'm going to really try to get that by the end of the conversation, I'll be able to pronounce one of the names totally <laughs> perfectly, <laughs> uh, perfectly. In addition to yours, thank you for making yours simpler for me. But Jeffa, um, I, I, I also felt like his loneliness and heartbreak and, you know, his, his Sarah in his mind, what a beautiful, you know, situation that is too. And also so real. We of so many men in crime fiction are these sort of tough and, you know, um, and he's really, he's really not in some ways, actually, Annette's sort of the tougher, you know, one. And I love that yeah. dynamic between them. It was lovely to, to you know, because they spent a lot of this book not exactly together, right? They would sort exactly. of talk on the phone and text and whatnot. Yeah. But um, so can you go, can you even remember back to when you started The Tenant, how these characters sort of came to your mind? Who came first? What you know how did yeah. it's, i know it's it's a long time but no no no, no no but but uh, you are spot on with the with the two of them and the gender roles between them but actually the very first character uh the one that started the whole series off for me was esther de Laurenti, who is yes. uh my retired uh professor literature professor who in the beginning of the the first book the tenant uh she's just retired from the university to write uh, a crime novel, which has been her ambition her whole life. And she's this fun older woman. Uh, she has short red hair. She's very emancipated. She's also a bit of a wino. And she, you know, <laughs> she's, she's a very colorful person. And it was, it was really interesting how she kind of popped into my life because it, it just happened by chance. Um, as you said in the beginning, I used to work as a dancer and a choreographer for for many years, and and the the writing has always been there, but it's just been my own private thing, uh, you know, a diary and letters and and journals and stuff. Uh, and then one day, 
seven years ago, I uh, I went for a walk with my family um, along the street um, in an area that I, I'm not familiar with. And there was a, um, a sign on one of the houses that says Laurenti, the family Laurenti. And the name struck, just struck a chord with me. Uh, and I, I don't, I can't explain what happened, but it was just the name that kind of set it off. And suddenly this elderly woman moved into my, you know, to my head and she wouldn't leave. And I just started. I, I love of, it. I, I, yeah. So I just kind of started spinning or, you know, um, making up these stories about her. And then I started writing them down and I realized the, the plot thing about her writing a crime novel that was suddenly, you know, realized or, you know, suddenly took place in her own house. And I just loved that idea. And that that's where I went from. And then I wanted to, to write about police work. So I, I invented these two detectives and I, I kind of just switched the genders. So I wanted to play around with some of the more classic cliches of two detectives, but I kind of just swapped their sex. So Annette would be the, as you said, she doesn't doubt much. She just, you know, she just does. And she's she's very competent and very authoritative. And she lives in a happy marriage with Sven and their three dogs. And, you know, she's all good. And then there's Jeppe, who's also like, he's a beautiful man. And he's he is a man, but he's a sensitive soul as well. He's a poetic soul and he's he's uh, more he works much more intuitively and he's he doubts everything like as a as a way of life like he's a existentialist he's you know yeah, yeah. Uh, and the two just have I love their dynamic they kind of always nag a little at each yes. other they love each other all the same it's like an old married couple where you're like yeah oh, or like siblings they have a little like yeah, exactly. they, they know how to poke at each yeah. other but I think there's yeah. genuine affection between them and it's it is so okay. I love that Esther came first, and that makes actually so much sense for the tenant in particular. Yeah. But what I found amazing when I started the Butterfly House was that oh my gosh, you know, you always expect the detectives to continue, right? I mean, in in most series, we we see a detective or a group, you know, a pair of detectives, yeah. and then they're the sort of the they're the the core of of each story. But in 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 your stories, you've always managed to in you know to keep. Um, Esther and Gregor's in there as well, yeah. which I I have loved because Gregor's you, is in the building as well. Yes, and you know what? You're absolutely right. Um, I actually planned on losing her after the first book. Uh, Esther is kind of built into the plot of the tenant, and I thought she would, you know, that's where she belongs, and that's it. But I couldn't. I I just couldn't get rid of her. I mean, I don't know. I, I I have real genuine affection for her, and of all, yeah. out of all the characters, she just felt like the backbone of the series, which was a huge problem because how do you defend <laughs> having this, you know, uh, you know, retired uh, professor of literature in in a crime novel and in the next and then the next? So it's been a huge challenge, but I you know I like challenges. You've so. done it beautifully, and <laughs> the the, the uh, you know I'm not ruining anything for anybody, but the you it makes you have to read all four books to get to Esther's you know to really yeah. this incredible conclusion for her. And um and did did you I'm not going to talk about what it is, but did you know yeah. in advance 
what was you know where we I, were heading with Esther yeah I did I did and it was it was a very emotional thing for me and also as you say like if you read the whole series and you get to the fourth book you will understand why it feels like a closure for me yes and I yeah. I, I have to admit I, I wasn't completely sure that this would be the last book in the series, but I, I had an inkling. And then I when I came to the last scene and I was writing it, yeah. I, I, this is going to sound so, I'm so, like, I'm full of myself. I'm so sorry. But I, I, I started crying and I was yeah. bawling my eyes out because I, I suddenly I realized this is the end. I mean, yeah, this is I, I can cry right now about it. Cause I, <laughs> no, it was, absolutely. I it's so, so touching. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it so. is. And it's, you know, a lot of people, you know, you're a series writer, uh, you have been to this point and, and a series is very different because it's like a long-term relationship, you know, a, a standalone book is, you know, it's a one year or two year relationship with the characters, but you've now, these characters have been with you for, it's a, you know, that's a long relationship. Yeah with them it is it so is. how does it feel um well I I to tell you the truth I I have mixed emotions um because in some ways it was a relief to kind of let go of them and uh, delve into a new universe I'm actually I just released a book three months ago here in Denmark oh, uh, we're so far behind called, yeah no no well it's it's on its way but uh um, which is the first book in a new series and okay. it's been it's been a lot of fun delving into new characters and a new universe but I I mean but I do love Esther and Yeba and Annette and I kind of miss them it feels like yeah. you know I've I've left one family behind and now I'm you know with a new family which I'm yeah. also very much into but it I do have this it does feel weird and and also I've realized which you probably knew already, but I, I, I had no idea. Um, readers don't commit to an author as much as to characters in the book. So I've had, I've had, you know, really, really angry readers writing to me like, "How dare you? <laughs> so How dare you leave our people? Yeah, yeah. yeah. When are they well, coming back?" Yeah, they'll get oh, they'll get over it. But it is true. It's and it is an interesting. I mean, but you know, the other thing is, I think there are people who who make a series last too long, right? And you sort of yeah. feel this the it kind of fizzles instead of having this beautifully crisp, you know, poignant emotional ending. Um, yeah. And it's it's so much, you know, it's just it's a beautiful way to end it. Although I too was like, I had heard a rumor. <laughs> Um, that this was going to be the last of the Copenhagen series. And I was like, oh, that can't be right. There's no way. Um, yeah. But now I have a question about um, that. When you started, when you wrote The Tenant, did you mm -hmm. imagine it as a series? Did you sell it as a series? Uh, well, I didn't sell it as anything because I, I, I honestly didn't really know what I was doing uh, to begin with. I kind of just sat down and, and wrote. Uh, but I was... Uh, I was actually contacted by uh, my literary agency even before it was released in Denmark uh, and they signed me up and and kind of challenged me a bit like what do you what are your plans and I was like I don't have any plans so they, you know start making some so yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, I grew up quick um, yeah. so so I did actually quite 
early on plan for it to be a series, uh, but I, I uh, refused to commit to a number of books in the series because I knew that I had to, to write as many as it felt right. And right. then I wanted to stop. Uh, and just as you say, I've read series that I loved and that started to fizzle. And it's just such a it's such a bad feeling. Like you really, yeah. really wish they had stopped earlier. And right. uh, and so I wanted to to, you know, yeah, end it while while the going was still, you know, good. And then yeah. Right. Rather and when it, the reader's hungry than, you know. Right. Having... Exactly. So, and people yeah. will ask, you know, I think it's natural for people to be like, you know, is there going to, I, you know, I have series that, that have been, that I, there's no new books in, in a decade. And they're like, is there another book coming? And I'm like, <laughs> I probably, you Who know, knows? probably not, but you never yeah. know. Exactly. Yeah. It's, um, it's so, it's so true. So, um, and then, okay, so I want to hear a little bit more about your, um, about this new idea, but I also want to talk a little bit about, um, I want to go back to the, the you know, Jeppa and, and also Orla. I want you to talk about Orla because when Jeppa le lives on this island, he lives in this yeah. sort of little, you know, how it's like a small house. Yeah. He's, he's, he's doing, he's cutting, he's a lumberjack, basically. He's a lumberjack, he's, yeah. He's a lumberjack, which is. <laughs> So what a funny, I mean, it's a great, it's so yeah. great, but he, yeah. his neighbor is this old, you know, much older gentleman, Orla, who he sort of cares for. And Orla, yeah. I love this. Orla has pets. Do you want to yeah. tell us about Orla's pets, Katrine? Because yeah. that just was so great. I yeah. I have to tell you uh, the background for Orla's pets, because I actually, I, I was on a book tour in Germany and I met one evening, it was one of the um, librarians, I think, at a at a venue. And I talked to her and it was, she was like a woman of, you know, she was maybe 25 years old and she lived on her own with her pets and they were uh, rats. And I was like, excuse me, what? And she was, yes, she had uh, uh, 17 pet rats. And she showed me pictures of her rats, uh, all of them named after different characters in books. And this is Harriet and Harriet has this and that personality. And and she just took me through the whole, uh, the, the like a whole new universe that was completely unbeknownst to me right. uh, of, of the rat owner. And I, I just <laughs> fell in love with the, with the concept of right. owning 17 rats. So I let Ola, this this uh, uh, elderly or this old gentleman um, who is Jeppe's neighbor at uh, Bonhot, he has uh, 12 pet rats and um, he keeps them in cages, in two cages, one for the boys and one for the girls, because that's how you do it, that I learned. And then yes. he lets them out into his house, like one cage at a time, because they can't run together, obviously. Um, <laughs> we'll and, have a lot more has, rats. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he has a lot of problems with it because uh, he gets he gets visits from um, the the how do you say the um, community center, yeah, like, so, like yeah, like a social and, worker yeah. who gives a meal, yeah. like you know meals meal delivery. Meal plan, yeah, and they won't come into the house because of the rats. And Yeba tries to help him a bit, um, and also, and that's that's the thing that I love a lot. Um, all that helps him back. And I always, yeah. I always try to let the characters have uh, strengths and weaknesses, um, yeah. uh, and something you know, some 
partly sympathetic and, and lovable, but also they have to have some some sharp edges and be, you know, have sides right. to the character, that personality that are maybe not so endearing. But anyways, Ola is an avid reader. He used to read with his uh, late wife and he asked Siepe to get him a book, which is about uh, Alexander Selkirk, who was uh, the inspiration, the, the real life inspiration for Robinson Crusoe, uh, namely a, a, a pirate or a, a, he was a, a, you know, someone who traveled the sea who uh, was sh uh, shipwrecked and no, sorry, he wasn't shipwrecked. He was actually, he, um, um, he was put off the ship on a deserted island and lived there for many years. And this, I read this wonderful book about him. Uh, and that's the book that uh, Ola reads in the, in the story. Yeah. And some of the observations about being alone, deserted on an island, are relevant to Yeb's situation where he has actually chosen this seclusion mm. by himself. He's turned his back on society and chooses to be alone and, you know, kind of just, um, yeah. So, so I wanted that um, interaction between the two men. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, and it's lovely. And I think the other thing that is interesting about it is, is it also speaks to sort of, the you know the the reality of being again isolation the reality of being a, a, an older person without their your having lost your spouse and one of the things I love is that you know Yepa is so um, he's so attuned to the fact that you know Orla's clearly pretty cognizant and sharp because he can remember the names of all his you know rats which I think is a thing like you know we when, when we start to see I don't know you know, aging parents or aging grandparents, and we start to worry about them, there are these touchstones that we feel mm -hmm. like, well, if they can still, you know, remember us, but you know, for Orla, it's that he's, he's still so engaged with his pets, that he could identify yeah. them. And and I love that the story came from, because of course, where do we get these very, you know, interesting ideas. And I love that it came from a, um, a, a young librarian. It's such a, it's, it's not Isn't what you would expect no. yes <laughs> I wonder if I have you heard from her has she read the book I, I actually no I haven't heard from her but it's it just released in Germany like a month ago okay uh, so maybe maybe she'll be in touch I don't know <laughs> I think I, if she... I, I'm always I'm always intrigued by the many many different ways we human beings find of of um creating some kind of meaningfulness in our life and we, we we all have these very very different approaches and it's just so um thrilling to 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 you know to hear how other people um make something out of their existence like you know do you want someone to love do you want rats do you like what right. is, what is your thing it's just and it's so important that we find something right the yeah. fact that orla has that i think is such a gift even though like you said it's causing him some problems but i think about how lonely someone would be without anything you know i yeah. mean i'm i'm you know for me once my kids went to college i started to collect dogs i have three dogs now <laughs> i only had one dog and now you know now i've got three because it's quieter in my house and i needed to you know fill the space yeah. so i want to ask you know did esther's appearance in your life because you know you talk about having you retired from dancing and choreography did that was that the timing of that 
about, were you still dancing and, and choreographing when you started the tenant or was that sort of a, the transition time for you? Um, it was definitely a transition time. And, and as a matter of fact, I was, I was becoming more and more serious about theater work. Uh, so I was not only working as a choreographer, I actually uh, was offered by a theater uh, here in Copenhagen to direct my first play. And uh, that play had its opening night seven days before the tenant came out in Denmark. So within a week, I debuted as a, a, a director, theater stage director, and as an author. Uh, and that was, it was like riding two horses at high speed at the same time. Like oh my know, gosh. on each horse and just trying to hold on for dear life. Uh, but the wonderful thing was, uh, I remember sitting on opening night, watching the play, and it had turned out, you know, quite good. You know, <laughs> I was, you were playing. Yeah, I was never, you know, you're never satisfied, but I was kind right. of happy with what we made out of what we got. And it had actually a very good uh, critique and people liked it. But on the opening night, I remember sitting in, uh, you know, sitting in the theater um, and knowing without any kind of doubt for the first time in my professional life that I wanted to write, that I was never going to do theater again. And oh, I got shivers. Was, yeah. yeah. But it was, and it was, I, I mean, I've been a very uh, seeking uh, soul <laughs> my whole life, especially professionally. I've tried many, many different things. Yeah. And I've always had the feeling that the dancing, I mean, I, I love that. I still love dancing, but I've always had the feeling that as a profession, it was like wearing like a, a sequin jacket that just wasn't made for me. And other people would point to the jacket and say, oh my God, you're so lucky. What a beautiful jacket. And I was like, yeah, but it's kind of a tight fit. Right. And, and, you know, on that, in that week in 2016, I changed into, uh, you know, a tweed jacket with, with elbow patches <laughs> and I just felt immediately at home and I haven't taken right. it off since. So, you know, so for me, that was, that was it. And that's I, a beautiful, that's a beautiful metaphor. I love that. Uh, your tweed jacket with your, your patches. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that is, God, that's a lot. I can't even imagine how you did it. Well, congratulations on that. And what, a, I think that's an incredible thing that you pursued both of them until you really felt like, okay, this is what I, this is who I am. And this is what I want, yeah. which is, takes a lot of, you know, listening, especially if people are saying, oh, the, the show turned out so well, you could do this again and not being sort yeah. of lured by that. Two very different lives, one very isolated, right? I mean, mm. we write alone and one, yeah. you know, very, very community, expert. I mean, yeah. 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 So that is a really difference too. And then, you know, you also at that time had to have had like a, I mean, six or seven year old child, right? Mm -hmm. On top of True. everything else. So yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. that's not, that's a lot, that's a lot. Um, but actually, yeah. oh, sorry, no, it was, but it was, yeah, it actually felt pretty easy. It was the first, I think that was the first uh, sensation of calm in my professional life, because I've been, as I said, I've been in doubt forever, but, but, you know, from, from, from that evening on, it was very, very clear to me, which feels as a, the best, you know, a huge blessing. Yeah. Such a blessing.
Yeah, that's, well, that's really impressive. So um, I loved, and I love, thank you for sharing that story because that is, I think the thing that we all need to do is to sort of listen to the, you know, the inner, which, which is the coat that fits me and, and try to, you know, and avoid anybody else telling us, but you're also really good at this and you're also really good at this, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so how do you set up your, your life? Like, you know, are you, you know, your, your son, your son is probably in school now that the world is back. Um, and you have, you know, do you, are you sort of, do you have a schedule? Do you sort of feel like you, you write as a, how do you do it? How do you sort of schedule your um, life? Well, I, I, I don't have a schedule as such, but since, uh, writing is all I do, um, I tend to, you know, to send my son off to school in the morning and have, you know, we have breakfast as a family. And then uh, I take the dog for a walk. Uh, my husband goes off to his job and I take the dog for a walk. And when I come back, I just sit down at this very desk and, uh, and I start writing. And um, as you say, it's uh, actually, it, it just struck me now while you were saying it, that it, it, it has been, um, or it is an ongoing challenge working alone because I am, I mean, I wouldn't be a writer if I weren't an introvert, but I'm one of those introverts who is also an extrovert. I also need people, just not all the time. So I'm actually, at the moment, I'm I'm experimenting with having um, so sort of work collabs with other authors where just once a week I sit with them and write. So I'm not alone all the time because it does become a little you know, heavy. Don't you find that? I, I, I think that's that? so yeah. true. Yeah. You know, yeah. When we were, you know, during the pandemic, one of my friends, one of my writer friends suggested we do this alone together thing. So we mm. would Zoom. Um, we'd have sort of an open Zoom from, you know, for like six hours of the day where yeah. we were alone, but you could look up and see somebody else working. And it was a way of reminding me, oh God, I, this is work time. And then at yeah. some point we would take a break, you know, and chit chat or, you know, brainstorm or whatever. But yeah, it is. I think it's in this, I think the idea, it's why people, I think it's why authors work in coffee shops or whatever. The idea that you're, that you're alone in your own head, you're alone in your story, and then you're alone in your space. It gets to be a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just uh, I do need the input from the world. I do like having the energy of like today, for instance. Today was an, a normal working day, but um, at twelve o'clock, I went for uh, about an hour to um, a museum of natural. Um, how do you say it? no? Um, of um, yeah, of medicine, like a medicine museum. Um, and I had a guided tour by a, a pharmaceutical student who told me about all these roots and herbs that are totally deadly. And I was taking notes <laughs> and it was it was super inspiring. And she was like, yeah, it's just so like two milligrams of this root will kill you immediately. And I, yeah, <laughs> I was writing down. You're like... And it, was just, it just felt so good to be fed right. all these, you know, um new thoughts and ideas um and and i i i you know i find it and i i i i suspect that you agree that the, the the dynamics of being a writer a crime writer where you do sit alone and you write a lot but you also 
go out into the world and you investigate. Basically, I mean, we are detectives. Uh, for the, uh, in order to write one of our books, we need to know a lot of things about a lot of things, not just police work and how you do an autopsy, but also like how does a nurse uh, uh, who works in um, the heart department of a, a hospital, how is her daily life or, you know, how do you tend to, uh, how do you care for 17 rats? And, you know, you do have to investigate all the time. And that means talking to a lot of people, going a lot of places, which is, I think, one of the greatest luxuries of, of this profession. We get to be learning all the time. And, the, yeah. and it's never a very boring lesson, right? I mean, there's nothing boring mm-hmm. about going and learning which herbs will kill you. I love that. I'm going to have right? to, I probably need to email you and be like, how do I kill this? Uh, but no, that is, um, that, that is so fabulous. Okay. So now I want to, I, I have to ask if you'll, will share with us that, you know, this new, what you've got, what you, you've got coming out or has just come out that we are going to see, I assume yeah. sometime in 20, late 2023, maybe when will we get it? I'm not sure yet because yeah. it's just been translated into English yeah. and all my foreign publishers have now, you know, received the manuscript um, and they're able to read it now. So it's, it's still early days. Yes. Uh, the Danish title is uh, De Brande Blad. Uh, the English working title is The Writing on the Wall. I'm not sure what the title is going to be yet. I mean, as you know, it's always they change you know, totally. back and forth. And, uh, but it's it's a whole new story and and a whole new set of characters. Uh, the my main character is actually a young woman, a younger woman. She's well, to me, she's young. Uh, she's 29. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, young. Yes, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yeah. and uh, she's uh, she's actually also. Uh, an investigator, but she has just quit her job. She's just left the police. We don't really know why. Uh, we're not told why, but we sense that it's complicated. Mm-hmm. And uh, she is. She has lived in a, a northern part of Denmark, but has just moved back to Copenhagen, hoping for an opening in the homicide department in Copenhagen. And until something opens up, she works as a private detective. And um, yeah, I wanted to get away from police work for a bit and, and yeah. you know, have only the investigation part and not all the, you know, the twos and fro's of the police work. And another ambition I have for this series was, um, especially for the first book, was to uh, draw on my own family history, which has been a huge challenge for me. And the reason why it it turned out that way was actually that when I left the other series behind, the sanctuary, when I kind of finished the sanctuary, and I I, f- I felt the need to to create something new that was very personal and meaningful to me. And at that time, two years ago, my mother out of the blue sends me a police report, which is um, uh, written in. Uh, on the night of the 6th of October, 1943, in Sweden, by a Swedish police uh, policeman. And it states that uh, a Jewish couple has fled the Nazis in the bottom of a fishing boat with their two little sons. They've left everything behind. They carry just a suitcase each. 
they have absolutely no values. They have no identification papers. And the woman is pregnant. And that's, that couple were my grandparents. And the, the baby in my grandmother's stomach was my father, who was actually born ah. on the run in Sweden on the 2nd of January, 1944. And obviously I knew the story and I knew of it, but it, we never talked about the war. Like my grandparents never talked about a war. It was too painful. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and my father sadly passed nine years ago and I never really asked him the right questions in time. And suddenly I was holding this evidence mm. of, what happened and yeah. i i just knew okay i have i have to write about this i have to build it in to this whole new universe and and a crime story and how do i do that so i'm actually drawing on on history on on world war 2 but also yeah. on my history which is yeah, I've had some tearful days uh, in front of the computer. I'll bet. I'll bet. And I'm sorry that, you know, I my lost my dad eight years ago. And it there is oh. something so you do wish you could ask. My dad was a doctor. And so I used, I have all, you know, my for early books, I always ask questions about, you know, medical things. And, and I, yeah. to this day, I, I'll be writing something and think, well, I'll just call my dad. And then I realize, oh no, you cannot call yeah. your dad. Um, so it's, what a, what a fabulous um, beginning, you know, of a, a new series. And, you know, what a, what a powerful thing that you have evidence of this incredible struggle that, that they must've gone through. I, I mean, that whole era is so, there's so, it's so rich with, with conflict and and devastation yeah. and I can't wait how do I get my oh. hands on <laughs> okay <laughs> well that is super exciting and the writing on the wall what a fun um I mean who knows like you said I I I think of of 16 books I've gotten to keep like four or five of my titles so you never know yeah. what something will end up being but that's fabulous now what is the main character's name the young woman her name, her name is Liv Jensen Live like Liv Tyler, Liv Jensen, but yes. actually in Danish, Liv, uh, Liu is, uh, is life. Liu. Oh. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, and Jensen is, uh, the surname of every other person in Denmark. So yeah. Like Johnson I, probably here. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, yeah. So, um, she's, a she's a very, uh, ordinary, but completely um special young woman i mean yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very infatuated by her at the moment because it's it's a new relationship so to speak so i'm i feel like i'm getting to know her uh as yeah. i write do, do you have that feeling as well when of you course work with, yeah uh, like so and that's what, that's a treat right yeah it is it's like when you when you write a scene and and your character does something that you kind of didn't really expect yeah to do in that way and you get to know them better it's like getting to know a real person it's it's really uh yeah it's thrilling <laughs> and they can they can even though they come from you they can completely surprise you and you think yeah what i did not yeah. expect that they they really are there they really do have to make their own way and and you're really just sort of a you're you know an engaged observer in that in the process and i think there's there's a lot of magic in my mind that happens yeah. when a writer yeah. writes a book you're so right i mean i i actually often compare it to uh to directing uh actors mm -hmm. i'm like yeah i mean 
I come into the rehearsal room with a general idea of what's going to happen, but each of the actors have their own idea as well. And when I write a scene with these different characters, obviously I know what's going to happen. I have a very strong sense of, you know, this is what I'm going to write, but the characters have their own ideas as well. That's how it yeah. feels, right? And, and people yeah, so you don't completely mad. When uh, you, well, we, yeah, but... we also might be a little crazy. There's no question. Yeah. So you sounds to me like, and, and I, uh, and I will wrap this up because I'm almost out of time, even though, like I said, I could talk all day. Um, do you, are you, do you have an idea of the whole story when you start? Or do you, are you, are you a plotter or are you sort of just, it's sort of, you follow, you follow sort of the, where the characters take you kind of? Uh, I'm kind of in between. I'm not mm -hmm. a plotter or a planner at all. I'm a very intuitive writer, but I also do try to to have like these these fixtures along the way where I know like I might go like this, but I do yes. end up there in yes. in a roughly you know fifty pages or whatever, right. and and that might change a bit, but not too much. So I do have these fixtures along the plots. But I, but I write a little and then I plot a little and then I write a little and then I plot a little and then I change a lot all the yes, time. Yes, so right, right, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, that didn't work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's, <laughs> it makes, and it, I think it feels, and I, I know people who plot out a book amazingly well and, and, and you feel like you're really, it doesn't feel, it feels all very organic. But for me mm -hmm. also, I, I, I know where it ends and those sort of, I call them like, you know, they're sort of like benchmarks, right? I know mm -hmm. sort of where we're going to get along the way, but I don't really know how we get there. And, and I feel like for me, that's the, that makes the story as exciting to write as I hope it will be to read. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I so, agree. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I, I, I can't believe there's going to be anybody listening who has not already read at least some of this series, but this mm -hmm. is, I, it is it actually I think Katrine this is probably one of my top three favorite series um oh, and I love these oh. people and um I cannot wait to read whatever you've got next and I, I'm gonna um hopefully get you to come back and talk to us some more so what is thank you so much for having me I mean I'm so excited thank you and you'll have to come to um some hopefully you can make your way over to one of our conferences um in the United States one of these days and, and join um, Thriller Fest or something. People would just be so excited to have you there. Absolutely, I can't wait. Now that the whole pandemic is hopefully over and we can right. travel. Like I love yeah. that. Okay, well, anyway, thank you. This has been Katrine Engberg with the Sanctuary part of the Copenhagen series or the last of the Copenhagen series. Um, if you haven't started the series, you have four amazing books to get to devour and I'm jealous. And um, thank you so again, Katrine, for joining us. Thank you. Until next time, this is Killer Women and we will see you soon. Bye.